the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time to sit back, relax, and listen to Conversations with Joan. Conversations with Joan will inspire, motivate, and empower you. Live your best life now. Listen, learn, think, and decide. And now, here's your host, Joan Herman. Welcome to Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life's Conversations with Joan. I'm Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in. Conversations with Joan focuses on topics that are important to your life, from health and wellness to professional development to personal well-being. Change makers join me to share their insights, tips, and strategies so you can thrive and live your best life now. Thank you for taking time for yourself, and thank you for letting us be a part of your life. Now, let's start talking. In order to challenge yourself, grow stronger, and become better, you need to step out of your comfort zone and take risks. Anytime you consider doing this, your brain will try to convince you to play it safe. Even when your thoughts lack a rational basis, you may allow your anxiety to prevail. Then, the fear holds you back. Today's guest, Angie Morgan, received a master class in how to take risks when she signed up for the Marines. She joins us to discuss how we can develop our wrist muscle. Angie served as a Marine Corps officer, and she's been a special advisor to the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. She's a New York Times bestselling author and co-founder of LeadStar. Her new book is Bet on You, How to Win with Risk. Welcome, Angie. Thank you so much for joining us. Joan, it's so good to be with you today. Thanks for having me. So Angie, joining the Marines and then becoming an officer has enabled you to face many fears and to take many risks. When you were presented with those opportunities in the past, how did you feel? Were you scared? Were you anxious? (laughs) I think that there's a lot of, um, certainly when you think about the Marine Corps, a lot of intimidation that goes into that choice. And then you think, too, about just some of the physical risks that you'll be asked to do and participate in in the future. And it was really helpful to you to think of it as that wasn't the only risk that you had to take, right? There was, you know, moving away. There was, you know, encountering different, you know, you know, people, learning a new value system in order to thrive in that organization. So I think often we tend to think of risk as very one-dimensional, when in reality it's multidimensional. And I'm really fortunate. I didn't know what I was getting into entirely when I went in the Marines. But when I left, I had this really important skill set that I was able to apply to all areas of my life. So everything that you just described, any one of those things could have caused someone to stop, you know, full stop, not do this. What did you do to overcome those feelings so that you could move forward? The Marine Corps actually was the organization that just helped me realize how powerful our minds are over our perception of our abilities and capabilities. And when you go through training, you really learn a lot more about yourself and what you're actually capable of. And so really breaking through some of those mental barriers was just a really key thing for me, especially early on in my career. And so having that mindset allowed me, when I left active duty and started working in sales and inevitably started my business, just really remind myself that, you know, our mind limits us. But when you really start to think about risk as a skill and how to overcome some of those, I will call them artificial barriers that our mind puts on us, it just helps you allow you to see the potential of the situation. I always hear people say, well, I can't do this because I might fail. They have this fear of failure. And and I always say, well, what is failure? And what does that really look like? Because to me, when something doesn't happen the way I want it to, I, I just have learned to say to myself, okay, that didn't work out as planned, but what can I learn from this? How can I do it differently? So I think we just let this this fear of failure, whatever that may mean, I, I just think we let that get in the way. Joan, I couldn't be more in agreement with you. And it's funny too, like if I put, you know, 100 people in a room right now and ask them, what did you learn more from life, your successes or your failures? 
hands would shoot up when they talked about failures, right? Because those are some of our greatest, most powerful and profound learning points. And then you ask, you know, the follow-on questions, what did you gain from that experience? And people's examples are really rich. And so I think sometimes we think about failure as this negative thing. But failure is only really fatal if you stop trying, if you didn't learn from the experience. So we shouldn't be afraid of failure. And our mind has this amazing ability to, to catastrophize what failure could be. I have a friend who is in the process of leaving this executive director role in a nonprofit so she could be in a consultant. And failure to her is homeless on the streets of Chicago. And I keep telling her, you know, don't you think we're going to stop you? You know, your friends at some point <laughs> before you get there. So, yeah, like, you know, true failure is you might stumble. Success might meet, might not be what it really set out to be, but that's not really failure. That's learning. Right. And, you know, I had to learn. I'm one of these type A people where, you know, I have my expectations of how things are. And I love saying supposed to be, which is how nothing mm-hmm. ever turns out. And so I always had my expectations of how it was supposed to be. And then I always had this stri- this need to strive for perfection, that things had to be done the right way. So, you know, living my life with the supposed to be's and the right way can really keep you stuck. And, and those are things that I needed to learn how to overcome. Do you think that those are big players for a lot of other people as well? Oh, absolutely. We write a lot about perfectionism perfectionism in the book because that often is what halts people in pursuing their dreams. They wait for the stars, the moon, sun to align before they can take action, which may you know, not be an ideal time for them. And so then again, they'll delay even further. So we in our book talk about if you want to really perfect something, perfect your response to imperfection. How is that? But get really comfortable with understanding that not everything is going to turn out as you hope it would be. Sometimes, and more times not, it's going to be better. We can't predict the future, but we can plan, right, for that one foot in front of the other in front of the other. And that's what we try to advocate through Bet On You and through our work with LeadStar in our leadership coaching space is just get started. It doesn't have to be big. In fact, risk done wrong are these epic, bold strokes. Risk done right is incremental change, one small step followed by the other, and then pretty soon you're building the muscle. And I think Nike had the best campaign slogan ever when they say, just do it. I mean, it's brilliant. Just do it. (laughs) It's funny. I remember when that slogan first came out, and you're right. It was so inspiring because, again, there's people who will talk and plan and dream and all these things. But the people who are out there making it happen are just doing it. Right. Because what's the worst thing that can happen? And, you know, the funny thing, again, the worst thing that can happen probably isn't even a possibility. I mean, the worst thing that can happen is you you learn and you discover that maybe it wasn't exactly what you thought it was going to be. And that's okay. But you tried and you can go to sleep soundly at night knowing that you're not afraid to pursue your dreams. Do you believe strong leaders are the biggest risk takers? That depends. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. it's just. In in the work that I do with Lead Star and the first two books that we wrote about, um, a lot of it had to do like, you know, spark and leading from the front. Leadership is about influencing others and inspiring others through your behavior. So it's not about that job title. It's about behavior. And I've got phenomenal leaders who do, you know, do a really great job of setting an example and developing their character and being accountable and all these things. And yet they're still a little bit afraid to take a risk, but they're on a really good, comfortable path. And you said it in your introduction, you know, getting out of your comfort zone is still hard for people, especially people who are just so comfortable and, you know, feel pretty good about the path they're on. And through my conversations with many just really talented leaders, I know that they've got a dream. I know that there's something that they want to do. And they're just a little bit afraid to start it because it's unconventional in their world just to, you know, do that side hustle or, change industries and careers on the spot or even ask for a promotion or even within their business. I know that we prize in organizations some of these entrepreneurial opportunities, start a new business unit, just a little bit scared. And so the great thing, though, with risk is that we can learn how to take risk. It's a skill set. Right. And to take a smart risk. So if you're thinking about starting your own business, maybe you begin doing it part time or, you know, there are ways that you can mitigate the damages that can occur from 
taking that risk. It's a smart way to do it. Yeah, great, great point. I was, you know, my husband and I recently, we wanted to sell our house and move closer to, he owns a, a coffee shop and move closer to the business because we found ourselves on the road all the time. And selling the house and moving seemed like such a big proposition. It was so intimidating, but start somewhere. We just started talking to real estate agents. And then, you know, before you know it, we're packing boxes, but it didn't have to all be done overnight. And education, you know, educating yourself, that really does empower you to take those smart risks. 100%. We write about the value of guides in Bet on You, people in our life who can help fill in the blanks on how to go about achieving our dreams. We have, you know, three people, types of people in our life. We call them, you know, our champions. You know, the people who are just going to be in our cheering section and maybe the champions, too, are people who are doing what we want to do and trying to, you know, connect with them to say, hey, how did you get started? Tell me your path. Like That's a really valuable experience, a secondhand experience that you can take on. We also have big stagers, you know, people who, um, probably like you, Joe, you know, people who get to share their thought leadership and influence. We may not know them directly, but we can dial in and, and hear and get that motivation and inspiration and encouragement. We also have some of those no-choosers, you know, people in our life, family members, friends, colleagues, people that we didn't necessarily, with the exception of a couple people, have a direct hand in, but people are strong, but we can get inspiration. So education is certainly, it's look at the internet, get books, but we've got people all around us who are living some of the dreams we'd like to pursue. Talking to them is a huge piece. Angie, can you give our listeners a few strategies that can help them develop their wrist muscle? Yeah, absolutely. I find that one of the best things anyone can do starts off with just dreaming a little better. So really coming into a space where you can clarify what is something that you really haven't achieved yet, but you've always wanted to do. I find that we're so busy And in the moments when we could be dreaming, like on a park bench or in a waiting room, we're looking at our phone and distracted by just kind of external influences. So start to like put down the phone, think bigger, and really just turn inward to really understand what's missing or what could be better in my life. We also think about kaleidoscope dreaming. So trying to think about different areas of your life, not just career, but what are you doing for fun? How are you serving your community? Um, what are you doing with your family? Like, what is there anything in your life that's in a state of neglect that you really need to pay attention to that could help round off your life and make you a little bit more balanced and feeling harmonious? harmonious. Second thing is really just start to identify people who are doing the things that um, you want to be doing. And it's funny, I think we sometimes get intimidated by asking people to share their life story to us and how they went about achieving their success. But for the person you're asking, most people want to help. Most people love to talk about themselves. Most people want to share um, their story and their secrets. So you're actually giving them a gift. Sometimes it's turning that around a little bit, knowing that you might feel intimidated, but you're giving the other person an opportunity to help. And most people want to help you. Angie, you said it's important to recognize the people that surround us, the the people that cheer us on or or can hold us back. When I Mm -hmm. wanted to start this work many years ago, this was a huge risk for me. This was so out of the realm of anything I ever imagined Mm -hmm. for myself. And I had a lot of people who were close to me who were mocking me, telling me I was crazy, saying it was ridiculous. What do you say to someone who wants to take a risk, believes in it, but he or she is surrounded by people who are belittling what they want to do or, or you know, speaking <laughs> negatively about it, trying to hold them back. Oh, my gosh, Joan, I can, I can relate right away to that statement, 100%. When I started my, you know, speaking and writing business back in 2004, I certainly had those eye rollers like, okay, I guess this is what Angie's <laughs> doing next. <laughs> I was middle-aged, so they were really thinking I was crazy. <laughs> It is funny, right? Because, you know, going back, when we think about risk-taking, I always like to tell people that we take risks all the time. I mean, think about getting married or going to college. Those are like crazy risks if you think about it. There's only a 50-50% chance of success in those risks. Yet, when we take those risks, people pass us, you know, gifts and parties and things like that. And think about then the later on in your life, the risk that you want to take. The chances for success are probably far greater, but people are going, oh, no, I don't know about this. And I often think it's really because 
the older that we get, the more nuanced our dreams are. They're more reflective of independent experiences that people in our life just don't have access to. Like we can understand, right, the concept of getting married because a lot of people do that. So again, we cheer and get excited. But starting your side hustle, starting, you know, a podcast, starting an Etsy business, probably not a lot of people in your life are doing those things. And so they are probably going to be a little bit more skeptical of it. And they aren't really sure, right? They haven't been inside your brain. They haven't seen your vision. And you haven't maybe articulated your vision fully to them. So oftentimes their skepticism is probably just their lack of exposure to what it is that you're trying to do. And well, you got to manage them, right? Or well, least, the things that you were just yeah, listing, you know, Angie, the, the, the one big thing that kept going through my mind, many of us have children. We don't know what we're doing when we have a baby. That is probably the <laughs> biggest risk you can take in your life, and yet you do it. So maybe when we're oh, about to take a risk, we should think, well, I had that baby, and it turned out okay. <laughs> so, you know, maybe that's motivation. <laughs> I love my Bob used to say, you know, I did my best with you guys and I didn't know what I was doing. Right. <laughs> so no one tells like, you what's coming up. <laughs> <laughs> I know, at least the second child, if you, you're brave enough to do that, you have a little bit more experience and firsthand knowledge. But yeah, it's true. It's like nobody knows what they're doing, but we're doing it. We're well, and, you know, and on a serious note, if, if you really do step back and think about it, it is a risk that we take blindly without thinking a whole lot about it. It's just something we decide we want to do, and we do it without knowing what the outcome may be. So maybe it does serve as motivation for us when we want to take another risk in life. We asked, when Courtney and I started our business back in 2004, uh, we were nervous because, again, nobody in our world had really done it before, None, nobody in our immediate world. But then we started doing our research and finding out all these people who were achieving on the dreams that we wanted to strive towards, we asked ourselves a really powerful question. If not us, then who? You know, if it can be done and people are doing it, why can't we do it? And that's a really great question for anybody to ask. Like if it is being done by people with similar backgrounds, by similar experiences, and they're achieving success on it, why can't you? <laughs> and so if not you, then who? I always bring that up when I when I make presentations, and I do have something about that. I'll say, why does one person go on Oprah or another person on the Today Show or someone else write the book? And the answer always is because that person believed that he or she could. And that's really the seed where everything can grow from. And you, to me, are talking about confidence, and we write about that, too, just having the confidence within yourself. And I love how confidence is researched. It's called you know, in the psychology space, self-efficacy. It's your belief in your ability to do whatever it is you set out to do in the moment that it matters. And it's a skill. And and I always think, too, like if you can't believe in yourself and in the power of your dream, who gets to? These are your dreams. And just to own them, it, I used to live in um, Los Angeles for a bit, and I would talk to friends who were aspiring actors and it was always funny to me, like the ones that you thought perhaps had a chance, they would boldly say, it, even though they were, you know, working at restaurants and doing what they had to do to get by in the service industry, they would say, like, I want to be an actor. Maybe they'll say it with conviction versus, oh, I guess I'm trying to be an actress or an actor. It just comes across differently. And so you have an opportunity to believe in your dreams and be convicted to them. The book is Bet on You, How to Win with Risk. If you'd like to get more information about Angie and her work, you can visit leadstar.us. Angie, in about 30 seconds or less, what's a takeaway? What would you like to leave our listeners with? I think just understanding what risk is. We often pit it against reward as if it's the downside of a choice. Risk the reward, but it's not. Risk is your path to reward. And understanding the misconceptions about risk and really understanding your relationship with risk can unlock those dreams that you have in your mind. Angie, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to connect. This is Conversations with Joan. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Do you feel lost on your journey to health and happiness? Then let us guide you on your path. Personalized actions towards health. Your path is a series of choices you act on every day. We guide you on a personalized journey of dietary, exercise, genetic, supplement, and lifestyle choices that lead you to optimal health and happiness. Often taking the road less traveled leads to liberation. 
Your path is personal. Your journey, like you, is unique. Take action today. Head to bestpathforme.com. Again, that's bestpathforme.com. An invitation to appear on a radio show or podcast provides you with the opportunity to showcase your knowledge while promoting yourself and your business. It can elevate you as an expert, but only if you make a good impression. In my training program, It's Your Time to Shine, I empower you to make media appearances more impactful. You work hard to get the booking, so don't waste the opportunity because of a lack of skills. To learn more, visit CYACYL.com slash media training. Joining us today is Emanuela Vassoni, a certified health and life coach who has helped people experience breakthroughs in their health and lives. She's the author of the book, Healing Through Nature's Medicine. Emanuela is here today to discuss a natural approach to menopause. Welcome, Emanuela. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Joan. It's a pleasure being here. Emanuela, many women dread menopause because we hear so much about the negative health issues that are associated with it. Is it possible for a woman to go through menopause with no symptoms? Yes, it is definitely um, possible for a woman to go into menopause without any symptoms and really do it naturally. If a woman's body is in balance, then normal menopause in a healthy woman is symptomless and the period just simply stops. But you and I know that the most, most women today are not entirely healthy because your their modern or our modern toxic lifestyles create that imbalance in our bodies. When you talk about a woman's body being imbalanced, what does that mean? It means that, number one, stress can cause a lot of problems in the body. So that means that she's going to encounter hot flashes, dry, dry skin, facial blemishes, insomnia, depression, and a lapse of memory and brain fog. So what happens when a woman's body is not balanced, it really is due to the liver, kidneys, and intestinal tract, which is the detoxification system not being imbalanced. So then how can we bring this back into balance? And also to kind of hit back on that note before, it's a nutritional and emotional stress and the pollution in our food, water, and air that causes the emotional imbalances and also all of the other imbalances in our body. So in order to bring our systems back, it's really about bringing in, first of all, detoxifying organs. This is definitely going to help to work effectively in your body if you include superfoods like flaxseed, and I'm not crazy about soy, but soy-derived products like tempeh and miso in a limited fashion, maybe once a week, is ideal. Also bringing in whole foods like wild-crafted blue algae, artichokes, asparagus, apples, Siberian ginseng, parsley, walnuts that are raw and unsalted, and wheat germ raw and organic. These foods contain phytochemicals that help body the, to help balance the diminishing estrogen levels in a woman that is experiencing menopause and perimenopause starting at the age of 30. Are there any recommendations you can make that can help us have a smoother transition into menopause? Absolutely. So I would recommend um, each day consuming about two tablespoons of ground organic flax seeds. You can ground them into your coffee or sprinkle them on a salad or a soup. Drink miso soup or eat tempeh at least once a week. Uh, drink a freshly made fruit smoothie containing wild-crafted microalgae or a glass of freshly juiced green vegetables. Also, add in organic and raw wheat germ, as I mentioned before. Uh, enzyme therapy has been key in reducing menopausal symptoms. Avoid the intake of foods known to exacerbate menopause symptoms, such as spicy foods, alcohol, caffeine, chocolate, sugar, dairy foods, and fatty meats. Also, avoid any uh, soft drinks. Because in large quantities, 
they, they have and contain phosphates that contribute to osteoporosis. Also adding some superfoods like hemp seeds and again, soy derived products once a week, having artichokes and asparagus and apples and parsley and walnuts. Also to help with hot flashes, you can definitely add in some grape, um, grapefruit juice is great to reduce hot flashes. I started making a, a green smoothie every morning and I kind of throw everything in. I throw in a lot of my seeds and different greens. Is it okay to take all of these seeds at one time? Absolutely. It's all natural and they're whole foods. They're superfoods. So that's really a, an easy way to do this. You throw a bunch of greens into the blender and then you grind up. I grind up flax and chia and black cumin and I throw that in. So you can really put everything into one drink and get what you need nutritionally doing it that way. Absolutely. Yes, you can. Emanuela, thank you so much for joining us. If you would like to learn more about Emanuela and her work, you can visit embodyvitality.net. Or as always, to hear more from Emanuela, you can visit our website, cyacyl.com slash Emanuela. We'll be right back. Is there one thing you cannot do and you don't understand why? Hi, I'm Gail Gruenberg, CPOCD, Chief Executive Organizer of Let's Get Organized, an award-winning professional organizing company serving clients who live with chronic disorganization. The term the impossible task was coined in 2018 to describe the overwhelm, guilt, shame, and complete inability to do something necessary that appears simple and otherwise easy to perform on its surface. The task could be anything like making a bed, doing dishes, paying a bill, or going food shopping. It could also be assigning a home for a category of items or putting something back where it belongs after using it. The longer the task goes undone, the more the pressure and desire to do it continue to build, as does the inability to actually get it done. The underlying cause of this lack of motivation can be varied. It is not laziness. How can someone manage the feeling of the impossible task? Let go of the guilt. Recognize the challenge as a symptom of an underlying condition rather than a character flaw. Break a task down to manageable pieces. Combine the task with something very enjoyable, like listening to music while vacuuming. Delegate the task to someone who loves to do it. Get support from a friend or a professional. If you're ready to address your impossible task and change your life by getting organized, call us at 201-613-2733 or visit our website at lgorganized.com. Do you ever feel like there's no end to the problems that you face? Do your challenges seem too great to overcome? Do you ask yourself, what's the point? If you answered yes to any of these questions, welcome to the majority. Most people at one time or another feel the same way. Hi, this is Joan Herman here with a lesson learned while earning my PhD in life. Pain is inevitable, but suffering is optional. We tend to look at others and think that they have it made. They have it all figured out. What we don't realize is that those who appear to have figured it all out have the same feelings. However, they've made a conscious decision to turn their adversity into a positive experience. A wise person once said, pain is inevitable, but suffering is optional. We all face adversity. It's what you do with it that matters. I had the opportunity to interview baseball great Jim Abbott. Jim pitched a no-hitter with the New York Yankees, won the gold medal game at the 1988 Olympics, entered the starting rotation of the California Angels without spending one day in their minor league, and finished third in voting for the Cy Young Award. Jim was born with one hand. Jim spent much of his life with his missing hand tucked in his front pocket. Like the rest of us, he felt insecure and self-conscious. But he chose a career with a uniform that didn't have a front pocket. Even when he was standing on the pitcher's mound making history, his insecurities crept in his thoughts. But he never let those insecurities stop him. And now he serves as an inspiration to many, children especially, proving that anything in life is possible. His challenge has become a gift. Will you let your challenge become a gift? Will you look for the lessons in your adversity? If you've lost a job, try to figure out what happened. Is there anything you could have done differently? Is it time for a career change? If you're facing an illness, look for the reasons why it may have happened. Can you change your lifestyle or your diet? Can you be an inspiration to someone else? If you have relationship problems, what can you change about the way you interact with others? Is the person an emotional drain in your life? If you're in debt, can you improve on your budgeting skills or become more financially prudent? Adversity is guidance. 
Sometimes it comes into your life to tell you it's time to change, sometimes to teach you a lesson. Always remember that anything can be overcome with the right attitude. Look to others for strength and inspiration. Rather than getting bogged down with your own problems, pay attention to people who happily survive and even prosper despite all of the odds. As Jim Abbott said, when something is taken away once, it is given back twice. Look for what is given back to you. Thank you for spending this time with me. For more inspiration and empowering tools, visit joanherman.com. This is WNYM, Hackensack, New Jersey, New York City. Welcome back to Conversations with Joan. I'm Joan Herman. Thanks for staying with us. Are you addicted to certainty? Do you need to know or predict what will happen next? Does this addiction often leave you feeling anxious and fearful? Today's guest, Allison Carmen, author of The Gift of Maybe, Finding Hope and Possibility in Uncertain Times, inspires us to embrace the concept of maybe in order to dramatically improve our outlook on life, reduce stress and worry, and open the doors to hope and possibility. Allison is an author, business consultant, and business life coach. Her work has been featured in The Wall Street Journal, The Daily Beast, Oprah.com, and other media outlets. Her podcast, 10 Minutes to Less Suffering, focuses on different perspectives that people can embrace to reduce their stress, worry, and anxiety. Welcome, Allison. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thanks so much for having me, Joan. Allison, we spend so much of our time worrying about what may happen, all the things that could possibly happen in life. You believe that the worry about tomorrow, our need for certainty, is an addiction. That's a harsh word. Why do you classify this as an addiction? Well, I I call it that because it rules our lives. I call it that because our fear of the unknown is something that every day is taking us away from our dreams or our peace or our joy because we're so afraid what's going to happen next. We're so afraid that things aren't going to work out. We're so afraid that things are going to be bad that every decision we make in the moment sometimes is often is actually based more on certainty and our fear of the unknown and trying to keep things safe than living our best lives. So our fear of the unknown rules our lives. And that's why I call it an addiction, because it plays such a big role every day in what we do and what we don't do. And it keeps a stronghold on the way we live our life like an addiction would. Correct. Yes. The hold that it has on our lives is really unbelievable. We, we don't even realize it. Even like where are you going to go for dinner, the job you're going to take, the person you're going to be with, we're always managing certainty. We're always managing risk. And this fear of, of the unknown is going to cause us to, to play small sometimes, to choose less. Because like I said, we want certainty more than we're willing to live our best life. And, and it's not that we willingly want to not live our best life. It's just our fear takes over because we want to make sure we're safe. We want to make sure our mortgage is paid. We want to make sure our kids are okay. But the thing that we don't realize is we can't run away from uncertainty. It's, it's with us no matter what. So there's no way to manage it. But there's a flip side to it. The flip side is that uncertainty is really our ally. Because if you think about it, if you, if you don't like what's happening today, the unknown offers you something wonderful. And if you shift your relationship with the unknown, you start to realize that uncertainty is where all possibilities exist. That's where your life changes. That's where new opportunities come in. That's where you could reach your full potential. So it's just this little shift, but it's so profound because when uncertainty becomes your best friend, then you start to live your best life. Does this differ from positive thinking or just being optimistic? I love positive thinking, but if you're afraid of the unknown, it's really hard to hold because what's going to happen is you're going to wake up in the morning and you're going to have this really positive attitude. You're going to say, today I'm going to get this client and today I'm going to meet this great person or today this is going to happen. And the minute that thing you, you wanted so bad to happen doesn't happen, if you fear the unknown, it's going to be very hard to hold your positive thought because you could try, 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 but eventually oh, this didn't work out and things are bad. I didn't get that client. I'm never going to get that client. I didn't get that job. Things are never going to get better. And there that positive attitude falls into negativity really quickly. But if you could handle the unknown better and you shift it and you realize, well, 
you know, I didn't get that job, but maybe something else could happen. And you realize that it's not game over, that it's not doom and gloom, that more possibilities exist, then you could be a positive thinker. But your fear of the unknown will not let you hold positive thoughts. So people who don't fear the unknown can be very strong, positive thinkers. They can manifest a lot. It could be a really amazing path for them. But most of us have trouble holding positive thoughts for a very long period of time. And then it's damaging because we're, we're, we're feeling bad all the time and, and we're feeling negative and we're trying to be positive. And it's just a philosophy that's not going to work for us over time. But if we can handle uncertainty, positive thinking can be very strong. It's making the deep shift because what you just described is what so many of us do. We, we get up each day and we say, okay, today's the day I'm going to do whatever. And, and we start off strong and we have those great positive thoughts. But like you said, the first thing that happens that derails us, we spiral. We go right back to our old way of thinking and, and it's mostly negative. So we need to make this deep shift that you're talking about. Correct. And I think it's from the fear of the unknown. I think yeah. that's one we, why we go from positive to negative. And it happens very quickly. Oh yeah. You don't even see it. You don't see it. But if you reflect at the end of the day, you could find that moment. You, you'll see, oh, I didn't get that job. So I started to believe I'll never get a job or that person doesn't like me. So I don't think I'm ever going to meet someone. You, you could catch it. Uh, usually later on. But if you train your brain differently and you kind of cultivate a better relationship with uncertainty, you'll find that you just don't dip. You know, you you could find another pathway to, to stay positive. And I think a lot of us, Allison, also, we spend so much time trying to relive the past. We have all these things that we wish we had done differently. And when we live with regret, I think also we stay in that negative way of thinking. Absolutely. In, in a way, um, regret is just not being able to handle the past and believing that had we done something differently, life would be better today. So in a way, it's, it's kind of like it's uncertainty in a different way. Uh, but we don't realize that we, we never lived that past out. That, that's what people don't forget. It's like when we think about the past, we, we make it like it would have been perfect. And we don't realize that those choices would have led to other things. And so we have to be really careful because I always call it the reverse maybe. Like, it's like we're turning on ourselves and we never know. Like, you know, you could have been at the wrong place at the wrong time. All you know is here you are with the hope and possibility that maybe from this day forward, your life could be filled with possibilities. We, we forget that everything has brought us to this moment. And one thing differently, you know, we have no idea how it would have worked out. So regret is like a false story that we tell, right? That the past would have been different had we made another decision, but we can never know. You know, one thing changes, you never know where you, where you would have been. So it's a very, um, it's like we're grasping for something that doesn't really exist. If this need for certainty has such a strong hold on us, and it, and if it, it truly is like an addiction, how do we break this pattern? How do we, you know, change the way that we're thinking, make the shifts that you're talking about? Well, there's a lot of different things that people could do. But for me, you know, I always talk about this mindset of maybe that's what changed my life. I mean, I was I was addicted to certainty. I was always worried what was going to happen next. I had a very difficult time maintaining uh, a positive attitude. And one day I heard this beautiful Dallas story about a farmer, and it just shifted my whole perspective on things. It made me see that I have no idea what's going to happen next, but because I don't know, life is filled with potential. And I kind of call it the maybe. It just reminds me that when I start to get negative, when I start to get fixated, when I start to feel doom and gloom, I forget that my fear is the only thing that exists in the moment. And yet in every moment, there's a maybe, there's an opening, there's more that's possible than I can imagine. And what I actually do is I either, you know, do this whole maybe exercise or I actually just engage in maybe statements. Sometimes I'll challenge my thought. Oh, I'm doomed. I didn't get that job. I'm never going to get another job. And I could say, well, maybe that thought's not true. And it sounds like such a simple statement, right? All you're saying is maybe that thought's not true. But what you're doing is you're casting doubt on your fear. And you're allowing your mind to realize that you don't know. And when you don't know, that means something other than your greatest fear could happen. I could say maybe things will get better. I have no idea if they're not going to get better. So what it does, it just opens the window and it lets the air in. So I developed this philosophy that I... I, it has become 
my everything and every day when I get stuck, when I get negative, when I get scared, when I think things are not possible, I remember that life has maybe. And there's always more potential. There's always more possibilities than I can possibly imagine. And it always relaxes my mind and it opens me up. And for me, that's how I shifted my relationship with uncertainty because I started to see like, wait, if I don't know, that means things could get better. If I don't know, that means my life has more potential. If I don't know, the whole world could keep expanding. And that's where it shifted for me. So for me, uncertainty is my favorite place because it always means that I could keep creating new things in my life. I love that. Uncertainty is my favorite place. That's a new way to embrace life. Yes. And and I do it through the practice of maybe. I mean, there are many ways that that people can do it. But for me, this simple practice has really enabled me to live life differently. The book is The Gift of Maybe, Finding Hope and Possibility in Uncertain Times. If you'd like to learn more about Allison and her work, you can visit alisoncarmen.com. Allison, in about 30 seconds or less, what's the takeaway? That it's one simple word. It's this little word called maybe, but it reminds you that you're not stuck, that you're not doomed, that life always changes. And with that change is hope. And with that change, things can get better. And with that change, so much more is possible because maybe the best is yet to come. Allison, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Joan. This is Conversations with Joan. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Are you looking for success in sales, maybe marketing or operations? In whatever areas of your business that you want success, it will require change. People want something they can feel certain about, especially in uncertain times. However, the only constant and what they can count on is change. Many people resist change because they feel admitting they need to improve or do things differently is the same as admitting they were wrong. As you strive to bring about positive change in your life, past conditioning will tug at your mind. You may feel trapped between the way you have always done things or what used to be right and what you now know as an adult is a more appropriate and productive attitude. If that happens, you will find your need to be right, which is a powerful human need, may actually work against what you now know to be right for your professional and personal growth. If this happens, remember, change is a part of life itself and critical to your success. If your ego gets in the way because of that need to be right, focus intensely on your goals. Your success today is determined by your ability to positively respond to change. What might have been right for you yesterday simply may not be right today. If you'd like to learn more, reach out to me, Bertha Robinson at star1professional.com or call 732-705-5060. Hi, this is Mark Anthony with a quick path tip. What does your breath and fat have in common? Carbon, hydrogen, and oxygen. At a basic level, all fat is made up of carbon, hydrogen, and oxygen. Now, I bet you are not aware that roughly 80% of your fat loss happens when you exhale. How can that be, you ask? Take a big, deep breath in. Now exhale. Let's take a look at what happened in that breath cycle. Most of what you breathed in was O2, or oxygen. The oxygen that you breathed in connected to the carbon and hydrogen atoms in your fat. The hydrogen turns into water and the carbon turns into carbon dioxide, the air you breathe out. Since the carbon in fat weighs more than the hydrogen, roughly 80% of your fat loss is exhaled as CO2. So what does this really come down to? Do exercises that cause heavy breathing. Whether you walk, run, lift weights, high intensity or low intensity, focus on your breath and revel in the fact that It's causing you to breathe away the inches on your waistline. For more information, please visit bestpathforme.com. Once again, that is bestpathforme.com. You've put your heart and soul into writing a book. You've made a substantial financial investment in getting the project done. And you have a beautiful publication with your name on the cover. So, how do you reach your potential readers? Introducing the Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life Book Club, a resource guide created for books that change lives. A book featured gets recognized. Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life includes the work of some of the most inspirational and influential authors in the world. Shouldn't you be there too? Let's get started. 
For more information, visit cyacyl.com slash book club. productive life, but sometimes we just need a little help. Our Coach on Call experts provide strategies to help you live your best life now. Joining me today is Lisa Luckett, a life coach, speaker, and CEO of Cosmina Enlightened Living, a brand of kindness. Lisa is the author of the book, The Light in 9-11, Shocked by Kindness, Healed by Love. She is here today to talk about the seven levels of energy leadership model. Welcome, Lisa. Thank you so much for joining us. Hi, Joan. So nice to be here. Thank you. Lisa, our energy levels are evident in our presence and how we show up in the world. Explain to us what this leadership model is and why it's so important. Sure. So leadership in this case, it kind of applies to all of us. Uh, more and more in the business model, uh, co-workers are becoming more leaders in their jobs to help move things forward and are looked to to think in bigger ways and bigger pictures. Much of what we're talking about is how do we interact with each other? And how do we go into a situation and read a room or read the person that we're working with? So what I wanted to share is a new concept called the seven levels of energy. First of all, I just want listeners to understand it's not a hierarchy. It's not one is the bottom and seven is the top. It's something we bounce through throughout the day. And what's important is to just understand where you are at a given time and also to maybe see where the person that you're working with is as well. What are the seven levels of energy? So the first level would be victimization. It's the lowest of the vibrational energies and the heaviest. The second would be conflict. So the other piece that's important to understand when talking about energy is the first two levels are what are called catabolic energy or heavy, destructive or draining energies. So the top seven from three to seven would be considered anabolic or lifting, building, constructing energies. So Level three, then, would be more about tolerance, you know, making things you know, good enough or finding a silver lining, where level four is then about doing for others. Level five is the win-win scenario. Level six is then considered when you're in flow, when you're just doing things effortlessly and it is just pleasure. And level seven is touching the divine, when you understand that you are part of one and creation and co-creating in the way that, you know, everything is just part of one thing and there is no judgment. So that's another way we can also explain the levels. It's all levels of judgment. Victimization being the heaviest level of judgment. As you go up the levels, you're letting go of judgment. You're understanding that control is not important, that we really control nothing. Lisa, does paying attention to these seven levels, does this help us avoid becoming a victim? Well, I think the hardest thing in the world is to see ourselves as a victim, right? Because nobody wants to say, I'm I'm a victim. But the truth is, we all feel victimized at some point. And then victimization can be like stubbing your toe against a door and saying, you know, oh my gosh, why did that just happen to me? And then that's what I mean about bouncing through the day. For instance, I'm pretty much always at level two around technology because it frustrates me pretty much all the time. So I'm always in conflict. I don't want to have to deal with it. It's you know, I'm of the older age that it wasn't always the way. And so I joke that I was dragged kicking and screaming into the 21st century. And I know a lot of us feel that way around technology if you're near, you know, over 55. The best thing we can do about being a victim, victim is to just identify that life isn't happening to us. Life is actually happening for us. So these experiences we're having are actually opportunities to learn. And that's the number one way to shift out of a victim mode. So when you stub your toe, it's hard to say, like, why did that happen for me? But the other way you could say is maybe it prevented you from falling down the stairs. So there's always another way to look at things where it could be worse or a shift of perspective where it puts things more in a balanced place. I had a conversation recently with someone who lost his seven-year-old child to brain cancer. And he said to me, he could have gone down the rabbit hole of saying, why was this child taken so young? Why did I only have seven years with her? But instead, he chose to look at it as seeing it. There are parents who have a day or a week or anything less than seven years. And he said, when you switch that perspective, seven years begins to feel like an eternity. And so I think that, you know, that's an extreme case of being able to see the different side. But what a wonderful outlook that is to have in life. 
It absolutely is. And and speaking of the levels, he's kind of at level seven. He's touching the divine. He's seeing the grace in his experience, which, again, most people, most of us sit, sit here thinking we can think our way through it. When so much of this is intuitive, we've just never been trained to use it or to really understand or, or just identify that that gut instinct we have is actually driving us. You know, when your gut says don't do it, don't do it. And if you've ever gone against it, we all have had the experience of we should have listened to our gut. Lisa, thank you so much for joining us. If you would like to learn more about this topic or Lisa and her work, or if you'd like to work with Lisa, you can visit her website, lisaluckett.com. And as always, to hear more from Lisa, you can visit our website, cyacyl.com slash Lisa. You've put your heart and soul into writing a book. You've made a substantial financial investment in getting the project done. And you have a beautiful publication with your name on the cover. So, how do you reach your potential readers? Introducing the Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life Book Club, a resource guide created for books that change lives. A book featured gets recognized. Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life includes the work of some of the most inspirational and influential authors in the world. Shouldn't you be there too? Let's get started. For more information, visit cyacyl.com slash book club. Thank you for joining us. I hope you found the show informative. At Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life, we believe that knowledge is power. Take what you've learned, apply it, and live your best life now. Remember that the information provided is the opinion of our guest and should never replace the advice of a professional who knows your personal situation. If you'd like more information, visit our website, cyacyl.com. That stands for Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life. While on our site, listen to past shows on demand, read the digital magazine, sign up for our mailing list, and be sure to follow the show on social media. Until next time, this is Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in. The preceding pre-recorded program sponsored by Maximilian Communications. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.